being an entrepreneur and being a business owner is like one of the biggest self-development practices ever. Like it makes you like face so much of your, your stuff. And um, that's how it has been for me, definitely. I like to move ideas. Like I, I like to be in the clarity, but I also like to really help people who don't know how to do things, like get it done because I know it'll benefit them. I don't like to see people stuck. Business is an experiment. You try something, you get a result, you learn. Then you try something else. Little by little, that learning adds up to a business that works. But often, our learning leads us down a path that earns some money and keeps us busy, but doesn't really let us thrive. Discovering what works can sometimes feel like a dead end. In other words, success can make you feel stuck. You're your own boss, you've got good clients, you have plenty of work to do, and by many accounts, you're successful. So it can be really tempting to just make do with what you've got, even if it is slowly and relentlessly grinding you down. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that transcends the hype to bring you candid conversations about what's really working to run and grow a small business today. So what happens when what works is actually grinding you down and making it hard to take care of yourself? That's the question we're exploring today. It's a question I've asked myself several times during the course of my own business. There have been plenty of times when what's working in some ways just wasn't working for me as a human being. There have been times when what works has turned into what worked. And I needed to rethink my business in a way that would contribute more to my own well-being. Today's guest is Toy Smith, a growth and impact strategist who has wrestled with this same question. Toy and I talk about how her identity and business model has shifted from virtual assistant to online business manager to strategist and why each pivot was necessary. We also talk about the ups and downs of making these changes and the impact each shift has made on her rates, working hours, and client load. Pay close attention to how Toy talks about her mindset shift away from thinking about her work as labor and into thinking of it as thought partnership and leadership. She's had to dismantle and reassemble the way she thinks about how she and her business creates value in order to realize the full potential of her own entrepreneurship. Now, Let's find out what works for Toy Smith. Toy Smith, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so I want to start off with a line from your website that I really loved. You say, I'm a master streamliner, a professional opportunist, and an out-of-the-box thinker who is able to create new ways of doing business that allow you to work smarter, not harder. And so before we dive into the rest of your story and how you've structured your business to really take good care of yourself, I would love to hear about a time when you spotted an irresistible opportunity and really seized it. I think I have so many of those stories, (laughs) but um, I think the biggest one would be how I got into this work and working for myself and... um, you know, being able to kind of have that freedom. I used to work in corporate and um, was in HR and had a traditional job and got laid off two times in a row. And 
um, was laid off and in a Facebook group and someone said they, the fa- the owner of the Facebook group said that they needed someone to do, it was like really easy task. And I was like, oh, I can do that like in, the, in my sleep. <laughs> and so I sent her a message and I was like, I'm going to send you my resume. And when I sent it, I was like, you know, it doesn't show that I have any like um, experience working online or any of this stuff. This is just really like traditional work, but I had run a I had a blog that I was running. I had a couple of t-shirt stores that I had tried online. And so I was pretty familiar with the online space. And so I told her that and I was like, I could do this um, in my sleep. And she was like, well, let's get on a, a Skype call. And we did. And we started working together the next week. And so that just, and it was really like 10 hours a week. It was super easy. Started doing that and that I was doing really good work with her and that transformed kind of my life and allowed me to step into kind of what my role is now. Awesome. Well, let's talk about what your role is now, because you recently sent out an email that caught my eye. You said that you were going through a bit of a, I think, personal transformation and that you'd updated your site to reflect some of the changes that you were going through and some of the new ways that you were thinking about your business. What prompted that transformation and how has it impacted your business? Well, I, so when I started working for myself um, in the online space, I started as a virtual assistant and in that role, you know, it's task oriented and I was doing that work and that quickly, like when I say quickly, like I was doing that work for maybe six months of just really being a virtual assistant, like working with people for $500 a month and 10 hours or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, as I like, I'm, I like to look at things and really feel like get underneath, like, why are we doing it this way? And how can we do it differently? And how can we do it better and do it with more integrity? And when I started doing VA work, um, there were a lot of things I was like, oh, this, this model really doesn't work, you know, like paying someone, um, buying a package of 10 hours, and then I'm asking them to roll hours over and most of this industry is women and like really looking at it like that doesn't work for most women it's like exploitive it just didn't work and so then I um was like okay well I'm really not a VA like this is a great foot in the door and then the women I was working with um were like yeah you're more than that and I was like okay so I pivoted from that and became like an OBM online business manager and that was great for a minute um, did that work, got, you know, had a di- I have a different framework in how I work with people and then um, slowly began getting different kind of clients, increasing my rates and doing all of that. And then within the last like year and a half, I just really got burnt out of being in the support role um, of doing the stuff of like m- the way my business was really modeled, modeled was I'm going to sit with you and be in the clarity seat, like a thinker with you, a thinking partner, and I'm going to do the doing. So I had a higher rate because I sat in a lot of the questions of like how you build your business, how you are, um, what's underneath it, what are the roots and like, why are we doing it this way? Are we being extractive? Are we being like, what are the, what are the things we're not seeing and like, how do we do it better? And then from there, using like quote unquote traditional ways of like online business and like building out the the ways that we were going to work. So then I would do the website design and the landing page design and then go and 
help write the emails and put in the email marketing system and help with the promotion. So I was doing all of this for like six clients and it got so overwhelming. And I am a mother and I still have my business to run. And I was like, this just, it's not working. Um, And so, and I was just burnt out from doing other people's work. And I was like, what is my work? And I, I was a little nervous to like really sit back and be like, if I'm not doing other people's work and like helping them get clear on them, their stuff, like what, if I had the space, what is it, what does my work actually look like in this business online business space? And that's kind of was the pivot point for me of being like, okay, if I'm sick of really, if I'm burnt out, of doing this work with people and I still want to occupy and be in this space, how do I want to do it? And so I tra- I had the help of a coach that I work with and we came up with a title of growth and impact strategist. And so now my work is not so much in the doing, but in the thinking behind how we're doing it. Wonderful. Can you tell me about the process or the container that you used to really assess where you were at and how you wanted to do things differently? Was it a process of like, was it a weekend that you spent digging into it? Or was it sort of like a slow burn kind of thing? What did that look like? Oh, I think it was a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really think it, it has spanned um, really this lot, like all of 2019 really has been me. The beginning of 2019, I raised my rates. So when I was just in this OBM doing it all kind of role, I raised my rates so I could take fewer clients, but still have the income that I needed. Mm -hmm. And that came because I was traveling um, in California, visiting some friends and also visiting a client and helping her with one of her workshops. And I was working a ton still like it was it was supposed to be like a mix of like relaxing and working when I was working in her retreat. But it turned into like I was up at 5 a.m. working a bunch and then going to hang out. And so it was at that point. And and another thing, like, honestly, my uh, the quality of work I was doing for clients was decreasing because I had too many clients, but I needed those clients to make the income I need to support my family. And I had a point with one of my clients, I was like, okay, I have to restructure. And this was a conversation. I said, I have to restructure the way we're working together. Um, Typically I I meet with clients once a week and then um, like we have an hour meeting to discuss what we're doing. And then we take, have action items and we go our separate ways and we do them. And I was like, I can't meet with every client and do all of the stuff. It was just like, I can't. So I said, well, I can decrease the amount of time we're meeting. Like maybe we don't need that many meetings. And Mm -hmm. I told my client that, okay, maybe we just meet biweekly. And then if we have any urgent things, we can reach each other on Boxer. And she was like, you know, um, that really doesn't work for me. Um, I really, w- I love us meeting once a week. I like that rhythm. It keeps me engaged in my business. It keeps me on track. Um, and she was like, I know, and it came from such a loving space. She was like, I know I'm not a bus- your business coach or anything like that, but I think you're charging too little. You should probably raise your rates. You know, it's bad <laughs> when your clients are telling you you should charge more. <laughs> right. 
And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's an option. I was like, okay. So I sat with, I remember being at my friend's dining room table in California, like, oh, okay. And then talking with her because she's in the online space as well. And she was like, yeah, I think you're charging too little. And so then I left from there and came home and was like, okay, this is really sat. Like it was a whole weekend of like, okay, this is what, this is what I need to make. And how do I do that? What does my rate need to be in the same work I was doing? So then I decided on the rate, this is the thing I had to tell my clients because it was practically doubling that I in like 45 days was going to have to raise my rates because they are so familiar with my life. Um, and I talk about, you know, where I sit intersectionally as a mother and all of these things. Um, they were like supportive, but I knew that some of them, their business couldn't, could not support the rate that I needed. And so I knew in that, that I was going to lose some clients. So I did that, lost a couple, two clients, like one of my favorite clients. We're really good friends now, but she was like, I love you, boo, but I can't, I can't afford that. Uh, but I'm happy to see that you're making this change and it inspires me. So that was in January, made those shifts. Um, got a couple, got two clients to refill that position. So I went from like six clients to three. And that was a beautiful, like, that's a great number for me that gave me like the space to still do work well with them, do work well for my own business, mother well enough (laughs) Um, and do, do that stuff. And then um, like six months, it was like this summer, I was like, oh, when I started dreading, like doing the stuff for people, like I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed sitting in clarity and like the, the the clarity conversations and thinking about like, what are we building and how are we building it? And what's the next offer? And like, how can we bet be better business owners and all that? And really strategizing those ways. I enjoyed that. But once we came upon the solution and someone needed to do it, I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And I was working at that time. I mean, I had um, hired a VA that was working with me. And so I could pass things on to her to do, uh, but it still was feeling like disjointed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then another thing inside of that was realizing I I had a moment with a client where um, her business was shifting. She wanted to continue working with me, but, the, the rate, she was like, I can't, I can't afford that. Like, what can we do? And, you know, I was like, well, I can still work with you. I loved her work, but I said, I can't do the doing for you. Like we can sit in the conversations and I can help you strategize, but I can't do the doing. And this is the rate for me, you know, just to be kind of a strategist with you. And she said something to me that really like made me think she said that, well, I only really like the value is in you doing stuff. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, she's like, I don't understand. Like, like I, like who's going to do it then. And like what the the value is in the doing. And so then I had to really unpack that of like, okay, so we are so ingrained to see the product, the tangible things that the things underneath the moments that you sit and thinking about what you're going to do and how you're doing it. And really the nuance we don't value because it doesn't, it doesn't produce a product. And, but 
you can't produce without the strategy and the clarity. Like mm-hmm. you can't actually have something that's not harmful or something that's great and something that's future making without sitting and really being in the considerations of it. So I sat with that and was like, okay, well, that is a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing for her to say to me because that makes me realize that I really don't want to be the doing the doing. Like if it is so much, it's valued so much more, but people are doing it are are producing things without really thinking about it. I want people to start thinking about it more. And so that was this summer where I started like really toying with that idea of, okay, how do I do this? And it was scary because I was like, I'm so used to being in the labor role, meaning like doing the stuff and like, that's where I saw value. And so I've had to really pull myself back and be like, oh, there is, there really is value in strategizing and understanding what we're doing. And so that's how I landed here now. I love that. And I love how you put it, um, that you are so used to being in the labor role. I think that's something that a lot of people can resonate with. And it does make that transition from being the doer to being a thinker and a strategist really challenging and tricky from an identity perspective. And I want to talk about that. But before we get to the identity piece of it, can you just describe what your work today as a growth and impact strategist actually looks like? So right now I'm still in, I think, I I don't know if the word messy is right, but I'm going to use it. I'm still in this messy phase of like really calming out what that looks like Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I'm used to having a client, like a heavy client load, meeting with clients every week, every week, doing stuff every week for them. Um, Right now, it looks like for me, uh, I have been really having like clarity sessions with myself and, and figuring out what I believe about this work and what we're not doing right, quote unquote, and how we can do it better. Um, and because I've I've had thoughts about it since I started as a virtual assistant, right? But it hasn't been at the forefront because the work and the labor has been at the forefront. So now I'm still so much in really combing through what I believe. And so it's a lot of going through a lot of my writings. So I've been writing about it like not publicly, but just like in my notes on my phone, like, oh, that didn't feel good. Like in interactions with clients or like, certain things I've read, like this doesn't feel good. And like going through now and being like, this is how we can do it differently. So I have one course that I put together that is out into the world. Um, I am doing virtual workshops on topics that I feel like we don't really talk about in this online space and offering that into the world. And I started a new Instagram that is strictly about my perspective on, you know, my strategy perspective on how to do business differently and um, really changing my offerings to be about, I'm not going to do anything for you, but other than sit in the conversation with you and have you think differently and come up with a strategy to implement those new thinkings. You're going to have to find someone else (laughs) to do it for you, but, or you have a team or whatever, but I can sit with that. So my offerings now are just like a strategy session, or if you want to work longer term, I will sit in the conversation of your whole business with you. And we can talk about what needs to change, how you want to change it and do it without being harmful. 
Beautiful. And have you held on to some of the clients from sort of like your previous business life as you're in this messy phase? Or did you put a like, did you set a, a deadline for that? No, I still have, I want to say like one and a half okay. <laughs> clients <laughs> that I still um, do the work for because I still um, have financial responsibilities. And so it's not, it's not clean cut right now. Like I am really having to sacrifice um, certain financial things in my world. Like I had to like really look at what business expenses I could let go of, like how much I'm eating out, like really look Mm -hmm. at stuff to be like, I want to pivot my business. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm laying the foundation for me to do, to do this growth and impact strategist work. Um, and so it looks like being in kind of a gray, I have some former clients. I have some clients that I'm still working with. I have former clients that are like contemplating, like doing this new work with me and I'm putting out my thoughts on how I do, how I view this work out into the world and building that audience to see what can come from it. Mm. I just noticed that new Instagram account today, and I'm glad that it is in fact new and that I have us not missing it. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to <laughs> yes. looking forward to following that for sure. Um, because I love your your main Instagram account, which I want to talk about in a little bit too. You'll hear about how Toy started to realize the value she was creating wasn't simply in the labor she was doing, but in the leadership she was bringing to each client relationship in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partners. What Works is proud to announce the brand new What Works Forum. Imagine your business 12 months from now. That's right, I'm talking early December 2020. What's different? Are you happier, more at ease, making more money, and serving more fabulous customers? Or are things largely the same? Each year, we make big plans, we set goals, we make commitments, and often we end up in about the same place as we did the year before. I know, I've been there, done that. There are plenty of reasons that this happens, but it largely boils down to four key ones. One, not setting aside time to work on your business. Two, not enlisting the support of people who really get it. Three, not following through on what you said you were going to do. And four, not focusing on the really important stuff. So how would your business be different if over the next 12 months, you actually did those things? You set aside time for working on your business and regularly evaluated your progress. You enlisted wholehearted support from people who truly want you to succeed. You upped your personal accountability and followed through on your commitments to change. And you had clear priorities and a monthly reminder to take stock on what's important. Now, my guess is that dedicated time, caring support, personal accountability, and clear priorities would go a long way to transforming your business into everything you want it to be in 2020. And that's why I created the What Works Forum. It's a 12-month small group experience that combines regular mastermind sessions facilitated by me with quarterly planning, monthly reviews, private conversation space, and even in-person meetups to help you make a massive shift in your business next year. Now, after working with small business owners for over 11 years, I've put together what I believe to be the ultimate support system for moving your business in the right direction. 
Now, we only have room for 30 small business owners in 2020, and spots are going fast. To get all the details and begin your forum registration, go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Now, you want your business to take care of you and your customers, but offering products, courses, or programs that shuttle your customers from one platform to another, well, it just isn't a great way to do that. At What Works, we run our whole community on Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks has helped us streamline the way we serve our customers, communicate with our community, and offer dynamic learning experiences. Mighty Networks lets us manage our community content and groups all in one place, and we can even manage payment and user registration too. Instead of managing a Facebook group, a learning management system, a payment processor, and an events listing separately, we do it all through Mighty Networks. And you can too. Make 2020 the year you streamline your business so you can take better care of yourself and your customers. Get started with Mighty Networks today. Go to MightyNetworks.com. That's MightyNetworks.com. First, I want to circle back to this idea of identity and and I think even you know what you've been saying about where you find value, where you've assumed value is, where your clients even have assumed the value is. Can you talk about sort of the personal transformation or the personal transition that has happened from going from the title of VA to the title of OBM to the title of growth and impact strategist? What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I always say that being an entrepreneur and being a business owner is like one of the biggest self de- self development practices ever. Like it makes you like face so much of your, your stuff. And, um, that's how it has been for me. Definitely. Um, I knew I've always been a doer, um, getting stuff done. Like I astrologically, like speaking about the Zodiac, I'm a Capricorn. I, Capricorn sun, a Virgo moon. I like Mm -hmm. to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's innate in me and I like to move ideas. Like I I like to be in the clarity, but I also like to really help people who don't know how to do things, like get it done because I know it'll benefit them. I don't want like people to see, I don't like to see people stuck. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got, like, when I started doing VA work, it was easy. It was just like, I'm a quick learner. Um, and I can grasp what people are saying in between what they're saying and like figure it out. And so that was a comfortable spot. Like being in a VA was comfortable. And then when I moved into OBM, um, to an OBM role, it that happened. I've, I've had great clients and I've had some wonderful interactions that have made me think I had a client say to me, um, because I've always been very vocal. I'm a writer. I consider myself a writer and, you know, we followed each other on social media and she said, you know, I see you're doing a lot. I, I I'm feeling like you're not going to be a VA for a really long time. And I'm looking for someone who wants to be a VA for a while. Mm. And so she like was like, I need, basically need to end our relationship, um, our working relationship. And 
that really got me thinking about, okay, like there is in this world, um, we want people to stay like when they're supporting us to really stay in a box. And that has never really been me. So as I moved from VA to OBM, the shift was really having to show up and um, kind of be a leader with the clients that I had. Like in a VA role, you're waiting for them to give you a task mm-hmm. and you go do it. When you're OBM, you're kind of a little bit more leading the charge of like, this is what you know I see needs to happen, or at least that's how I took it. Like we would really be in I saw myself as a collaborator in their business, like as a partner. And that's even how I framed my offering exclusive partnership. Like we are going to partner in your business that that's kind of problematic after, like, as I started thinking about it and working in it, it, that was problematic, but it, the framework had a good, it was a good standing. Like I wanted to partner with them. And so that was different with OBM. And then, what I slowly started to understand was that with OBM work and VA work is sometimes clients don't really want, they don't want to do the work. They just want to hand it off. And I don't think you can really do that. Like you can't hand everything off. I've had a lot of clients who are like, just they've, they've gotten the idea that they can just hand everything off to someone and they don't really have to be so much in their business Mm -hmm. and they don't have to be the thinker anymore. Like it's, it's, it's where they want to reap the reward rewards, but not really sit in the thinking spot anyway, anymore and be the visionary. And so I was like, I can't, I can't work with people who don't necessarily want to still be in their business in that way. And so it, for me, I had to shift my identity to think about how am I going to be able to show up as, how am I going to be able to show up in my business as a visionary? Because I was so used to doing it for other people. And so the main thing that I've done to shift that is um, really deeply understand my work, like be rooted in what I what the messages that I want to give out to people, the messages that how I want us to do business differently um, and changing my perspective of there not being just value in the doing. Like I, the clarity was important. That did help them get the clarity that we sat in and the thinking that we did and the sessions that we had to really bring this, whatever the course, the program forward helped us get the sales. Like that was important. It wasn't the fact that I connected a zap to a Google form. Like that (laughs) wasn't, (laughs) that wasn't it. It was the real, the nuances and the, the rooting. And so I had to, for myself, find the value in the thinking and the, how I showed up for the clarity. Like that was for me, I had to like, And then I also like, I had to have conversations with my coach around, like, I don't see how this could be valuable. Like, I don't think people are going to think this is like valuable for me just to tell them how to do stuff in their business. They want someone to do it. And I had to be reassured that the value is in um, the strategy and that if they want someone else to do it, they can, if they want to do it themselves, they can. But um, I had to own the fact that 
I'm good at helping create maps to do things, to get done what you want to get done. Love it. I love it. Earlier, you you mentioned thinking through business in a different way to uh, to avoid exploitation and to avoid being extractive and to really kind of question some of our assumptions about how business gets done. And I think one place that entrepreneurs, um, especially in the online space, really get in trouble is sort of in self-exploitation. Um, and I, I hear sort of this, I'm, I'm kind of hearing your journey through that lens, realizing, you know, that you're, you were kind of in this pattern of valuing your labor over valuing your thoughts and your vision and your ability to assess and analyze and come and be creative. And I'm curious how you today are checking your own business for those patterns of exploitation and really making sure that you're doing business in a way that doesn't take advantage of yourself or old patterns that you're recreating from the past. Mm-hmm. That's, whew, that's a really tough one. And I think I have this conversation a lot with um, friends and um, I think because I'm so used to working really hard and working a lot that it's really easy to just get into, especially when you work, from a laptop, like mm-hmm. I could put my kids to sleep and be working from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. and mm-hmm. just keep keep going. Um, the way that I have really set myself up, and I think I did it a couple years ago, um, is that I had to really understand why I wanted to work for myself. Like it's deeper than me wanting to get six figures, though making money is paramount, but it was because I wanted more freedom of my time. Um, I wanted be I wanted to be able to spend more time with my children, spend more time with myself, um, and really understand the world more, and not just be on this treadmill. And so, from that, like a couple things I implemented for myself was I take Wednesdays completely off. Um, sometimes I'm working. A lot of times I'm reading, um, but I take Wednesdays off and I take myself to lunch. Like that was one of the things because my, you know, I am a single mother. My kids, when they're in school, like they're in school from practically nine to three. So those are the time. Those those are the hours that I work. Those are only hours that I work. Um, And I was like, well, I, I still I love eating out. Like, how do I keep, like, how do I make the business work for me? I think so much of the time when we get into this work and and the work being like an entrepreneur, it starts to look like the corporate world where we're working nonstop and exhausted and we are just going through the motions and I didn't want to do that. So I said, Wednesdays are off. My kids are in school. I'm going to go and have lunch every Wednesday somewhere that I want to, I want to be. And, um, that was a practice that I initiated to help me stay grounded and not like exploit myself and really make sure I was leaning into the reason I wanted to get into this work. Um, another thing is now like my hours are kind of set. Like I don't work, I take clients if I have clients from only 10 to two. Um, Mm -hmm. and those are the only hours and 
I have time in there to, and I make sure I have a lunch, like I have a lunch hour scheduled for myself so that I'm not like sitting here for five hours at my computer and not, um, and not eating. Um, and so those are like some practices where I've made sure I'm not extracting from myself and just working constantly. And it's been beautiful because what I get to see is when I'm sharing that with other people, they get hit with like, Oh, I I am working a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, like I can't take a Wednesday and do my, my, I have too many clients where I couldn't even take a Wednesday off or do something like that. And then the question is, why are you, why are we doing it? Like, why are we working for ourselves if we're going to keep perpetuating the standard norms of like, just work, work, work that you have to do in corporate. Like we can do it differently and we just have to understand what differently looks like for us. Um, So everyone's going to look a little different. So I do like typically work on Sundays for a few hours to set up myself for the week. Um, But I'm not working late hours anymore unless I want to. And I don't have a business where it's like, I've turned on this treadmill where I can't get off basically. That makes a ton of sense. Thank you for sharing those examples too. They're fantastic. Okay. um, We had mentioned your Instagram accounts or account accounts, um, but I want to (laughs) focus on your personal account uh, because it is a beautiful blend of transparency and exploration and thought leadership. It's kind of a blend of writing and you showing up on video and just beautiful visual imagery as well. That's clearly Uh, part of your process of self-exploration. How does what you create and share there help you honor yourself and take care of yourself as a human and also as a business owner? I think, so I've been lucky to really have great clients who understand me personally and my work because of Instagram, because Mm. of the way I, I show up on Instagram. So, um, on Instagram, I share what's true to me, like my where my true world as it is right now, um, you know, like not like Instagram pretty, not like Photoshopped. Like I write about the things that really are hard for me, the things that are easy when I have great moments, when I don't. And because I think I think this paradigm is shifting, but I think because we've been shown a way of doing online business that's very curated, like show up in a certain kind of way, don't show these parts of your life. I kind of push against that, that that's not the way we're really going to do it. You know, when you work in corporate, they say like leave um, work at work and home at home. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're a mother or you're a single mother, excuse me, or the sole provider, like that's not really how it works. Like you're working in the crevices of your life. And so for me, that's how it is. And so I talk about the things that are hard and what that has done, like showing up authentically um, has made it really easy when I have decided to work with certain people because they know where I'm at. And then I'm only, I feel like I'm kind of like polarizing in that you either love it or you don't uh-huh. <laughs> like you like what I'm talking about. You feel like I'm too much or whatever. Like you like, you lo- like it or you love it. And 
if you like love it and you, and you're a business owner and you want to work with me, great. And if I'm not for you, then great. Um, but the, me showing up and sharing who I am has allowed me, um, to really decompress and really not ingest so much of like, like so much of this world. Like I process it, I metabolize it. And then I put out what I'm learning, um, into the space. So I, I think of Instagram more as um, a community for me of like women and it's mostly women um, who I share what I'm learning. Um, it's not a place where I show up as the uh, like authoritative thought leader figure. Like it's a place where I just say like, this is what I'm thinking about today, or this is how I'm thinking about it. And this is what I want us to think about. Tell me what you're thinking about. What has your experience been? Um, and it's really been great to connect with people that way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing that because I know people yeah. get so caught up on that platform and I am so with you that it's it is there's such a great opportunity there for real kind of personal mm-hmm. awareness and and um processing and an ability to share what's what's true and not just what seems or what someone else deems Instagram worthy. Um, Okay, before we wrap up, there's one other kind of big project of yours that I'd like to ask you about. And that is the newsletter project um, that you've started developing called Black Women Changing the Game. And the mission there seems pretty clear. (laughs) You're exposing more people to to the black women who are leading in business and culture making. It's why I signed up for it. I was like, I bet I can get some podcast guests from this. (laughs) newsletter and and just and meet some really cool people at the same time. Um, But I'm curious what kind of personal or creative need you designed it to fulfill for you as well. So Black Women Changing the Game started about two years ago. And um, it was for me, I was actually trying to think through how do I let me take a step back. I always want a component of what I'm doing to benefit others in some capacity. Um, I don't want it to be strictly about what I can build for the sake of building it for me. I want there to be some sort of um, way of showcasing others or just benefiting others in another capacity. So I was like, I can do, what can I do also that helps me grow my list in a different way. And so it started in that intersection of like, I want to be able to um, grow an email list, but I don't want it to be based on an opt-in or a free offer. I want to give people something tangible and something really like meaty to sign up for. And so that's where it came from. And as I was doing research around like black women entrepreneurs and things like that, I came across the stats of how, Black women are one of the biggest, largest groups of entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. yet we're not financed, yet we're not this, yet we're not that. And like, how could I, little old me and my business, what could we do to bring more spotlight to Black women who are doing business? And so that's where it was born from. Um, So it's been going for two years. We kind of took a a hiatus over the last six months. And in 2020, we have some really great new um, business owners to show and share case, showcase with everyone. Oh, good. I'm so glad it's coming back. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right, Toy, what are you excited about right now? What are you looking forward to in 2020? <sighs> I'm excited about um, really stepping out of the role of doer and into the role of teacher and thought leader when it comes to the world of business. And I'm excited about Black women changing the game 
and the Game Changers Fund and that all of all of that work in support of Black women and how we are creating businesses for our, ourselves and our family. I'm really I'm excited about that. Me too. Toy Smith will let everyone know where to find you and how they can get on that list and all of the great stuff that you're putting out into the world. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Find out more about Toy Smith at toymarie.com and find Toy on Instagram too. Follow at Toy Marie for her personal feed and at Toy Marie Strategy for her thoughts on doing business differently. Next, you'll hear from podcaster and podcasting advocate Elsie Escobar about the process she uses to assess the year that's been and set her intentions for the year to come. If you're thinking about how you can take better care of yourself as an entrepreneur in 2020, don't forget to get help. We'd love to support you in the What Works Forum with 12 months of mastermind sessions, collaboration, and planning. Go to explorewhatworks.com slash forum to learn more. That's explorewhatworks.com slash forum. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 250 more candid conversations with small business owners at explorewhatworks.com.